You are listening to the Seven Rivers Student Ministry Podcast, a ministry of Seven Rivers Church in Citrus County, Florida. Here at SRSM, we believe that all students are lovable through a relationship with Jesus. Visit our website at sevenrivers.org backslash students. Hey guys, this is Mikey Puckett with Seven Rivers Student Ministry. You're listening to episode 10, The Big and Not So Big. This story comes to us from Susan Moore, who is one of our discipleship group leaders. Susan is one of the most sweet human beings I've ever met. She constantly is caring and giving gifts and encouraging, even as we've done these like weekly Zoom meetings as a team, as, as we gather together and do these Zoom meetings, she's always on those meetings encouraging us, sending us emails of encouragement. And, 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 it's, and I know Sarah and Jason and Dana and, and, you know, and myself included, we all will say that you know, Susan Moore keeps us going. She um, inspires us and she motivates us and she reminds us that it's all about Jesus over and over again and that Jesus is working over and over again and he hasn't stopped working even in a moment like this. So Susan, we're so thankful for you and thankful that you have decided to share your story with us and, and you share about the, the, the losing and the grief and the suffering that you've experienced and, and the loss of your husband. And so I just am, we, we are just so blessed with this story and your story is a gift to us. And uh, Susan, you are brave. Um, you, you are someone who we, we want to be when we grow up, and, and, and we're so thankful for your ministry, not only to us, but to the students here at Seven River Student Ministry. So this is uh, Susan's story. Susan Openoff Moore, and I'm one of the discipleship group leaders for Seven Rivers Student Ministry. I wanted to share my life story about a time when sorrow also revealed God's goodness and faithfulness. October 19, 2009 was like any other Monday at my home in South Carolina outside Hilton Head Island. I lived there in a gated golfing community with my husband of 37 and a half years, Brad, and my white Labrador retriever, Sahara. Mondays were golf days for Brad and me, although Brad wasn't golfing this particular Monday due to some sciatic nerve pain that he had been experiencing. I left for golf around 10.30 a.m., waving goodbye to Brad and Sahara as they stood outside in the driveway. When I returned about 3.20 that day, the house was eerily quiet, except for the radio playing softly in the background. I needed to tell Brad that the golf cart was flashing, a sign of battery issue. But neither Brad nor Sahara were in the kitchen or family room when I entered the house. <clears throat> Excuse me. I thought that Brad must be back in the office or TV room, but he wasn't there. And then as I walked back through the kitchen, I saw a note that said that Lynn B. had called at 12 noon. I then thought, well, they must be in the master bedroom taking a nap. As I entered the room, the bed was empty. 
and when I looked into the adjoining bathroom, there was Brad, just sitting on the floor next to the bathtub. My first thought was that he had fainted due to the pain from the sciatic nerve, but then I looked closer and I could see that he wasn't breathing. I grabbed the phone, dialing 911 and telling the operator that I think my husband is dead. The operator asked me all kinds of questions and I responded with just, please hurry. Then she asked what color house I had. I said yellow and at that point I took the phone and went outside because I convinced, was convinced that they needed help finding my house. Just then a friend of ours, Jim, rode by in his golf cart. I yelled at Jim and said, I think Brad is dead. Jim came inside and confirmed by his voice my worst fear. Then the guard from the gatehouse arrived, the EMT people arrived, and then before I knew it, some of my neighbors, friends from golf and our community Bible study, as well as funeral home employees and the county coroner arrived. About an hour or so later, the coroner had finished his examination, and he came out and told me that he determined that Brad died around 1 p.m. He told me that it was very quick and that he probably felt absolutely nothing. There it was. Wham. My life changed from checking the married box to checking the widowed box. The life that I knew for 37 and a half years in less than 12 hours was no more. I feel it's eerily similar to the way it is with the coronavirus and our lives today. One minute, I was driving Katrina, my granddaughter, back and forth to school at Seven Rivers, worshiping in the church sanctuary on Sundays with many others, doing discipleship groups, doing my Thursday small group Bible study, eating in rest, out in restaurants, going to the fitness center, just doing normal life. And then suddenly, there's no more school. There's no more going to gathered worship. There's no more eating in restaurants. There's no more going to the fitness center. There's no more small group Bible study. No more discipleship groups. Life is not normal anymore. I was never a journal writer, but after Brad died, I decided to journal my feelings and thoughts and notes about God's goodness and faithfulness during my time of deep sorrow. My journal started with thanking God for a good morning that morning of October 19th, 2019. Before I left for golf, we had a wonderful morning together. And then it continued in my journal by thanking God for Jim driving by at just the right time. For friends and neighbors who showed up and for a coroner who gathered everyone in that small living room to pray before he left, and finally for friends who spent the night that first night. Over the following days and weeks, God was faithful and good to provide me with friends and church family who brought meals to me, took me out for meals, housed my family for Brad's memorial service, for a dear friend, Christian friend from Ohio who showed up 
ringing my doorbell the morning of Brad's memorial service and who stayed for several days. For an American Express card agent who prayed for me over the phone. And for a friend who came to fix a beeping smoke alarm at 11 p.m. at night. For golf course workers who stopped to talk to me or hug me as I walked Sahara. And for a note that I found two weeks after Brad died. This note was written by Brad in 2008, and it was very prophetic, especially the last few words. He wrote, Don't be too sad for me. I had a great life, surrounded by you and blessed by God. Thanks for being my wife slash soulmate. Through tears of joy and sorrow, I thanked God for this very special note, this goodbye note, for over 37 and a half years of a marriage and for God's continued goodness and faithfulness. And now I think it would be a good thing to journal once again, to note the big and the not so big ways in which God reveals his goodness and his faithfulness. He is a mighty God. Thank you for listening to my story. Thank you for listening. If you would like to hear more stories and follow our devotions, you can go to www.sevenrivers.org backslash by life or by death. You are loved and you matter.